Hi folks, this is Tim with Zompocalypse Now. You are actually listening to part one of two episodes of Zompocalypse Now this week. We've got a lot going on in Kansas City right now. I'm heavily involved with the Kansas City Fringe Festival, and I don't quite have the editing time that I normally would have to work on an episode. So you're essentially getting a more or less raw episode of the show. Well, two raw episodes of the show. You'll have an episode tonight, you'll have an episode on Wednesday night. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, thanks for listening. fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Hi, folks. I'm Tim. I'm Dustin. And he's eating a... What are you eating? Um, a wedding biscuit that I got at Whole Foods. Okay. We just finished watching the ninth and 10th episode of the Spike series, The Mist. Yes. There will not... This was the end of season one. There will not be a season two. <laughs> because it was real bad. Um, and... For those of you who've been following along as we've talked about what has gone terribly awry with this show <laughs> from the beginning, um, I, well, I can definitely tell you that consistency-wise, it maintained its level of, that's not how this works. Oh, yeah. Oh, Until the end. This show is super consistent. It's always but, bad. Yeah, there's not a single, like... Not a single person makes a decision that's worth a damn, except for Mia, who constantly and consistently is the best character in the whole show. She asks the questions you want asked, she makes the suggestions you want suggested, and people will be like, no, that's not how we do things in The the Mist. Yeah. Oh, God, I... On top of that, on top of everything else, they, you know, last week, we were like, hey, they finally gave us a time frame. It's been seven days. Mm-hmm. And tonight, and we're at these two episodes, and they give us a time frame. And it's been five days. <laughs> We've gone back in time. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, okay, sure, what the hell. I mean, five days, knows, seven days. Seven days. It week. doesn't matter. Nobody behaves like a rational human being on this show. Mm-hmm. It is just, I mean, they're... There are some talented, talented actors in this show who are just horribly, horribly misserved mm. by this script. Um, it's just... And the special... They, they go for special effects moments at the end of the episode 10. And all I can think is... No. No! <laughs> I wonder... Oh, like, God. I seriously wonder, like, if you... If you, um... If you, like, cornered... The people who played these characters. And we're like, come on. Come on. Tell me the truth. If they'd be like, no, it was great. We loved every minute of being on the set of The Mist. Or if they'd be like, yes, we know. Well, they could very easily say, yes, we know, looking at the finished product. Because you and I have made films where the finished product is not what we thought we were making. Yes. And sometimes that's good. We've, we've, Mm -hmm. We've worked on films. We've made films that we're like... 
wow, this turned out better than we thought. This is cool. Right. And we've made films where it's like, okay. Mistakes were made. Is there a pit? How deep is the pit? Can I hide this in the pit? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, you know, when you're making, when you're working with somebody like this, these, these folks showed up for work mm-hmm. and they did their jobs. And then somebody took the footage and they went off and they edited it. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, somebody signed off on the edit and they put it out in the world. Right. Um, you know, it's far, I have no, I've not seen anything to indicate that working on set was an unpleasant experience. Right. Um, it's just the end result is one of the, I'm going to, I'm going to be charitable here. It's one of the lesser Stephen King adaptations. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll just call it that. One of the lesser Stephen King adaptations. No. Uh, I mean, it's no sometimes they come back. It's, yeah. It's no sometimes they come back too. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, uh, Dreamcatcher movie. It's not the Dreamcatcher movie. Uh, no, this is true, but three quarters of the Dreamcatcher film is just weird as hell. Mm-hmm. It's the last quarter where it goes completely off the rails. <laughs> but it's still, it's bad. That's oh, a God, bad no, it, movie. it's definitely bad. You know, okay, let's see. It's no, um... Oh, oh, oh. There's all... <laughs> it's no Pet Cemetery 2. Mm. Um, the Tommyknockers. Oh, uh... God, the Tommyknockers is awful. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one, what was the one where they're um... the Langoliers with Bronson Pinchot? I yes, remember watching that, that when I was a kid and thinking, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Oh, well, sure. And then like it was on Sci-Fi Channel maybe like two years ago or something when they were doing like a Stephen King marathon, mm-hmm. and it was like, "Oh my god, this <laughs> is terrible! How did I love this so much?" And I was seven. What was the one where it's the mother and the son? Cujo? No, no, the mother and the is it was the mother and the son and their cat people? Uh, sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers, yes. Oh, that was bad. Yeah. It's this is no sleepwalkers. That's true. <laughs> Although sleepwalkers was was an original script, there was not a book. This was yeah, I know. Um, well, okay, okay. It's no Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive, I will go to the ground. That is an amazing movie. Maximum Overdrive is so bad, it's good. Oh, yeah. It is so, and it's even better knowing full well that Stephen King was completely high on cocaine the entire time. Right. Um, and why he will never direct another film is because of that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So, so the pro- here's the problem. I don't know. I don't. Is there a recap here? Is there a... Stupid people do stupid things for... An hour and a half? Yeah. Oh, God. It's... It's hard to... to, Okay, so... So, we learn at the end of episode eight... Mm -hmm. That Adrian has been the evil gay all along. Right. And he is the one who who raped Alex. Because he was afraid that if her first time was with Jay, he would dump... She would dump him and no longer want to be his friend. And he just loved her so much. Um, it's... This, of course, hits a number of very, very problematic stereotypes. Oh, yeah. Also known as offensive, oh, incorrect, yeah. and blatantly homophobic stereotypes. Right. That have Not up only that, a lot of but it turns out that he's had mental problems this whole time. Right. So there's another thing that you got. You're, you're stigmatizing the gay kid, stigmatizing the mentally ill kid. Um, right. Uh, but, but as bad as this is, they basically give you... A, the, the, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays the role. 
they basically have him play him as this creepy, weird, disturbing... Russell Posner. Child. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're, there's a target pointing at him. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, because you said you said it initially didn't come across. It didn't that way affect you. me that because and here's it, the thing. I just thought he's so. I mean, for the beginning, I was just like, this kid is this kid is wrong, and right. you know. Well, here's the thing about that. Mm-hmm. When you are the gay kid that does not fit in in your hometown, mm-hmm. and you see Adrian. You 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 don't think, wow, he's obviously creepy and weird. You think, that's me. Mm. That's a representation of me. Sure. You know, because when you're a, a, a gay kid, a queer kid, in a town that doesn't, you know, that you are constantly bullied. And right. you only have the one friend. And, you know, yeah, you're probably kind of sure that if she found a better, you know... A better class of a better class of kids decided that she was cool. Mm-hmm. You were ninety percent sure and she was going to drop you. Those are all, and I can see you that. Know. I can see that, but I, unfortunately, it still came across to me. And I, okay, so admittedly, my my perspective from that age mm-hmm. that age is different because as a straight kid mm-hmm. who had several friends coming out. This is the, you know, I was a teenager in the eighties. And so this was a very different time for coming out than it is now. Right. Um, there's still a lot of risks for kids coming out because it's it hasn't you know the the homophobia hasn't gone away, um, and there's still you know we, you can still find stories all the time about you know kids getting getting hurt if not killed because suddenly someone decides that that this you know this boy this girl. Uh, you know they're not right, and they have to be, right. they have to be punished, or they're not you know, or whatever, or it's a religious reason, or just a fear, or whatever it is. Um, but but so my teenage interactions with my gay friends who were just coming out, because they were they were scared to come out, period. Right. Um, but the ones who did, we at least we you know a lot of them came out through theater and music programs, um, and we were in you know, Wichita, Kansas, which is you know right. Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you found your group. You found your group, and so these, so the my, you know, my when, but there was still that fear. In fact, when I was in college, one of my very very close friends, um, you know, you met him, uh, Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he came out, he was terrified that my ex wife and I were going to be, you know, mm-hmm. would ostracize him immediately, even though he knew that we had gay friends in the theater department. You know, that we we we, you know already had these people that were in our lives who are our friends, but he had been our friend for so long and he was just coming out then. He was truly scared, even though he had evidence that that's not the reaction right. he was going to get. So so while I don't have that same perspective, certainly, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that, I didn't have that fear for myself, but I can see, you know, it, but it was a different kind of fear for my friends who were that age, right? right? So I, well, I can I can but, see how I'm looking at that from a from a perspective. That's so so not it becomes the it, the, but the problem for me is that a, the way that that Adrian is portrayed in this becomes doubly pro- problematic mm-hmm. because you spend eight episodes of this show really kind of rooting for him like I because you go when you when you identify strongly with a character. Mm-hmm. And you root for that character, and you you know you are able to look past like watching it because I watched it the first time on right. Yeah. I destination television to this thing <laughs> back because I was like I watched so the first sorry. episode and I was like no. Well, I watched it 
in a sort of the way we watched it, mm-hmm. except by myself. Right. Like, I was like, this is real bad. I have to, I have to DVR this. I have to this, keep going, yeah. Um, and that's why when I, when we were, when we had this little it's a train ride Fear of the Walking Dead yeah. hiatus, I was like, we gotta watch the right. list. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I was really invested in on a real level was Adrian and him trying to get his friend and mm-hmm. rescue his friend that he loves. And then when it all, like, I remember watching the episode and being like, oh, shit. And then, like, the next day going on queer blogs and all tons of people blogs that did not cover this show mm-hmm. that did not wrote about how bad it was that they that the heel turned that the actual villain of the series the actual evil rapist was the gay kid right so anyway we've we've talked we talked at length about this last week yeah so the, we can probably well, move on we from we that. can except that it it doesn't go away in these two episodes no he is he is still a very problematic character, and what these the, the ninth and tenth episodes of this show really demonstrate is how problematic many of these characters are. Right. When it comes to the writing of this show, I'm really trying to figure out what they were trying to do with these characters mm-hmm. because there really is a whole lot of what possible what was what was the end goal? Right. With with making this character be this way or say these things or do these things, what is the goal to make the only character I'm actively rooting for just be Mia? <laughs> I mean, is that it? Is that right. or am I am I supposed to be irritated beyond belief by the rest of these characters? Right. Exactly. You know, it's it's really hard. I I have no problem. I I don't mind stories where there are no clear heroes or villains the world is full of gray areas yeah most people i know are if they're my friends it's because they skew heavily towards the side of the good right uh, but you know we all have our our gray areas and our darker areas and mm-hmm. things like that but generally speaking you know you want to root for you know if if you were a horrible person i wouldn't well, we wouldn't be doing this i wouldn't right. be sitting on the couch but you know if i was watching you be a horrible person on on a television show i wouldn't be rooting for you mm-hmm. it's hard to root for characters who are not particularly pleasant well pleasant or smart yeah <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> who keep doing stupid shit right and you know the word the like eve is consistently I think a good example of that because oh, she yeah. is awful. Like from the minute that Alex is like, "Hey, can I go to a high school party?" The minute she suggests that she want that her daughter do- that she like, she turns into like that shrew wife character mm-hmm. and does not let up for the entire ten episodes. Well, I'm really confused about how old she thinks her daughter is. Mm-hmm. Because there are times when she treats her like she's five, right? And there's other times she treats her like she's a teenager. Well, and then there are times, but there, there are also times that Alex acts like she's five, and there's times when she acts. Like yes, she's well, there's five. that too. So, I mean, again, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to lay this stuff on the hands of the actors because they were working with what they had. Mm-hmm. But there's so many questions about whether or not why, why do we care about Eve, right? Why should we care about it? Well, and I think that if you were to ask ask the actress, she would say that she's she's a mama bear. 
Mm-hmm. She's there to protect her daughter, and she's going to protect her daughter no matter what. She doesn't care about being likable. She doesn't care about, you know, it's Alyssa Sutherland. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, if we were to ask her, she would say she's, you know, her job is to protect Alex. She doesn't care about anything else. Her, you know, this thing's going on. She's going to make sure that Alex gets through it, and that's period. She then, and and I can understand that characterization, and I can see that characterization. Mm-hmm. But I think that there were directions that they could have gone that they didn't go right. to make it a stronger characterization. Well, to make it a characterization that you didn't want to sit there and grab her and mm-hmm. just start shaking her. Right. Unfortunately, it's every character. There's a lot of character on this show. Even me, occasionally, but most of the time, mm-hmm. it's you know, she's she's on the low end. But you just want to grab every single character and go, "Why are you doing this?" Right. Because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's- yeah. Like nobody acts like you would expect them to act in 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 any kind of situation. Jay, the teenager, the teenage, you know, the ever present football player rapist. Yeah. Um. He like. Again, that's one of those where I can kind of see what he was going for, mm-hmm. because I mean you got to imagine what the what what they were given to work with, but you got to assume that he was told at the very very beginning, you are not the rapist, right? You because you know that's got that's an important thing to hold on to for your characterization. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of things that Jay does that are straight up gaslighting. Oh yeah, and it could be you know, but if as we find out, you know that he's not the one, the rapist. Right. Um, the actor whose name was Luke Cosgrove is mm-hmm. continues to be Luke Cosgrove. <laughs> he hasn't changed it since then. Uh, <laughs> you know, but his picture's <laughs> not up on IMDb. The, the shame of the mist has not driven right. him to a new name. Um, but you know he's he they that had to be one of the things he was like oh you got to tell me you got to tell me this because that's what I got to use for my character right whether or not I he hasn't done anything since then no oh, good the, the the TV show broke him way <laughs> to go the mess yeah um so you know I can understand like but I think that his the way that they chose to make him act was not frustrated and scared of a crime he didn't commit. It was was cocky and manipulative and creepy. Yeah, there's no, there's there's really no sense ever that he is afraid, right, of the situation that he is in. And if I had been a teen, as as somebody who, you know, he was once a teen, who was once, I too was a teenage boy. <laughs> if I'd been accused of rape in high school, I'd be terrified, even knowing that I didn't do it, mm-hmm. because. The perception of people thinking that you are, or that you're being falsely right. accused, or maybe even falsely convicted, there's mm-hmm. there's no sense that he's ever just like scared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's and and I just and I, I needed that out of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so confusing that they would actually make some of these decisions uh, for the for the character the actors to have to deal with. Mm. Uh, a lot of the stuff that happens inside the mall. There's a lot of the with the individual characters. It's like, whoa, you get, have you people met people? Oh, okay. It's a picture of him with one of the the mist dummies. It's cute. Yes. Um. Yes. But yeah, I like I. It's it's very very hard, you know, and like. 
Like, not Brian, again. Mm -hmm. Right. That's another one of those, like, he doesn't, you know, he's, he, he's manipulated pretty strongly in these last two episodes, too. Oh, God, there's, there's about 20 minutes of the 10th episode Mm -hmm. where it is some of the most cliched, terrible, Tell me who I am. I can't tell you who you are. Tell me yeah. who I am. No, I'm not the one to tell you. Yeah, the, like... The doctor is the one to tell you. What doctor? Come see her. Oh, she's the woman who tortured me. She's the one who saved you. Like, it's, it's like, oh so God. bad. Okay, so, okay, all right. We've got to actually do the we recap do. now. Okay, so... Damn it. Damn um, it. <laughs> Adrian has convinced uh, Mia and the GameStop employee, and not Brian... That his father killed Kevin in the house. And so they drive away towards the mall. GameStop employee does not go with them. Right. He has his own agenda. And yes, he he does. But it but it appears at the end of episode 8 that he went with them. Exactly. It was very, like, he went with them at the end of episode So eight. episode 9 shows up and suddenly he's there and I'm like, wasn't he in the car? Yeah, Kevin, Kevin is in, still in the house and the mist is showing up. And GameStop employee jumps in and saves him. Right. And so Kevin and the GameStop employee decide that they're going to do some house hopping. Well, after, can... after Kevin sleeps off, they're getting bashed in the head. Right. Um, and they find a house, and and looks like the people were just moving in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, it's... Yeah, okay, sure, he's only out for a little bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, been struck in the head with, with the butt of a rifle. Eight I'm pretty to ten sure. hours. Yeah. <laughs> Seven to fifty hours. It doesn't matter. Two to three minutes, apparently. Uh, so... So they decide, Kevin convinces GameStop to come with him. They're going to... Because they're about two miles from the mall. And at this point, you looked over at me and said, where is the mall? Yeah, because they've been driving, they've been about two miles away from the mall for about four days. How big is this town? Yeah. And and I realized, because we kept coming back to it later, is that the mall is this gigantic complex. And I don't remember... So I grew up... So Wichita. Wichita, Kansas. Which is... uh, when I was a teenager uh, in through college, it was two hundred fifty thousand people. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's close to three hundred thousand now, maybe more. Um, and there were two malls in town, two big malls. Um, there was Town East and Town West, and mm-hmm. Town West was about half the size of Town East. But Town East was gigantic, and I'm pretty sure that Town East is about a third of the size of this mall. Right. And I guarantee you, there are not three hundred thousand people me, in this town. The, the mall that reminded me of was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It was a mo- in, in Port Arthur, Texas. There was Tower Grove Mall, mm-hmm. and Tower Grove was the standard he- X shape. Sure. Right. Four wings, all you know, Dillard's, J.C. Sears. Right. Yeah. You know, and. And big box anchor stores, big box anchor stores, and then the food court, mm-hmm. uh, food court movie theater on one end, right? Yeah, and and it was not a small mall; it was pretty pretty large, and that's kind of. But they end up running through the back of the house of this mall. And it's corridors upon corridors, and at one point, Kevin and me are standing like, "You take the top floor, and I'll take the the bottom floor." It's like, how many floors does this mall have? <laughs> What's happening? So, this is this is about Walking Dead levels yeah. of geography abuse because there's we don't know how big things are, how far things are away. There is no way that from the time that they got into the car, at any point, that it should take them this long to get to the mall. No, I mean, absolutely no, no way. They could have made. They should have made it to the mall in five minutes from anywhere that they started from the sheriff's station, from the from the church. From the hospital, there's no way that they should have taken this long to get there. 
Um, anyway, so Kevin and Kevin and GameStop are house hopping, and they get to a house where there are all these soldiers shot. Mm-hmm. And they're standing around looking at all these dead soldiers, and a guy comes down the stairs, and he's got all the military gear. He's kind of stripped off of them. And a yeah. rifle, and he's like, I'm gonna, you're with them, or are you with, I'm gonna kill you. And he's all gone crazy. He's gone mist crazy. Well, not only has he gone mist crazy, but he's, as I talking about now, you know, I, my wife disappeared, you know, she went to the grocery store and she didn't come back, I don't know what's real anymore. And Kevin, Kevin eyes a gun on the floor. Mm-hmm. And instead of talking, trying to, to reason with the guy who has the weapon pointed at him, he decides to go for the gun and shoot at the guy. Right. Which is not the right plan. Right. At any point is this the right plan. But um, somehow they, they get... They almost John Woo us. Yeah. They're on the opposite. I was waiting for like a John Woo run down the side of the hallway, shooting each other through the wall. Say. That would have been awesome, but that's not what happened. Well, um, he ends up blowing himself up. So, so Kevin actually ends up knocking... Oh, no, the kid... Knocks him out. Game, yeah, game, GameStop, GameStop kid knocks brains him, him with a metal frying pan. With a, with a, with a cast iron frying pan. And I'm thinking to myself... Uh, Probably has brain damage at this point. Those yeah. things are heavy and they do a Ish. lot of... But Kevin's like, you know, sorry man, all, sorry about all this. Sorry for taking the guns and basically abandoning oh, you. Oh, and they find, a, they find the keys to a Humvee. Oh, right. And, and so GameStop goes out to start the Humvee. And he goes, sorry, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I won't tell anyone you're here. Because this was a big, guy's big concern was that they were gonna, somebody was going to find him. And the guy looks at him and goes, I know you won't. And opens his hand and there's a grenade in there. And then... Kevin runs and uses a dead body as a shield, right? Which is actually, which is actually a good idea. Um, he doesn't seem to have any hearing issues after this. After this, even though he should right. have significant hearing issues, but uh, eh, eh, wave hands. Um, and then the explosion. This guy's all dead, and, and it blows out all the windows. So the mist pours in, and Kevin sees everyone he's murdered on his way to the mall. <laughs> um, the police. The police deputy that was being eaten by cockroaches that mm-hmm. he shot in the face and uh his brother who he did botched surgery on and then left to be eaten by and then shot in the face right yes um and then, shooting people in the and face then the, uh, life. the the uh mental patient that his throat he slit mm-hmm. and then finally himself dun, dun, the dun. evil one and he must fight himself to the death right and he does he fights and quite frankly, if they had brought in the Star Trek fight music, you know, dun dun dun, I would have been like, okay. I mean, it was like the whole kind of thing. Oh god. So Kevin fights himself and he wins. Right. And at that point, I drove her. It was like, "Mist is no longer affects Kevin. He won. He won his battle with him. So it's, it's you know, that's the end for him. He's god. good. Yeah. Um, probably runs out to the to the Humvee and. Game's off like, what took you so long? <laughs> and so they drive off to the mall. Meanwhile, um, not Brian and Mia and Adrian are all on their way to the mall mm-hmm. to finish Kevin's work to because their job is to protect to protect Alex and Eve now. Well, yes, Adrian. Adrian has uh, announced that is what he's going to do. He's going to be their protector. And they get to the mall, and in another example of sound not traveling in the Mist universe. They shoot the lock off a door. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you've been to a mall, you're aware that the exterior doors are made of metal. Right. And if they slam, they make a loud noise. Now, this mall doesn't have power. 
So there's no air conditioning uh-uh. or anything like that. Sound is going to travel. Right. And and so not only do they shoot the lock off, which would make a lot of noise and draw attention, the door open, you know, it, oh, it's oh, it's just like, okay, never mind, whatever. Yeah. Okay, fine. So Adrian sends Mia and not Brian off to find supplies while he goes to look for Eve and Alex. Right. Uh, not Brian and Mia immediately give up. Like, not even, I don't even know how long they wait before they find themselves a place to sit down. But they both sit down and, and they have a nice little sweet conversation about, like, where Mia's like, if I met you in the real world and I asked you to run away with me, would you do it? And Brian's like, yes, I would run away with you. And they talk about where they would go. And it's all very, very sweet for two people that have known each other for Apparently five days. Six According to, to this episode, days, yeah. it's five days. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I really do feel, like like I said, Mia is why you watch this show. Because she lets you in on a little bit of her backstory. She stole the drugs, the drug money from her boyfriend, who's a drug dealer. And, and so she's been born supremacy in her way across the country <laughs> now because of it. And, uh, but she wants to find a place that's her own. She doesn't yeah. want to run anymore. And she wants Brian, not Brian, to come with her to that place. And not Brian says, I will do that. I will be there for you. I will right. do these things. And this is a very important scene for mm-hmm. a number of reasons, not least of which is the fact that it demonstrates the bond these two have mm-hmm. and how much that she's come to trust, trust him, him and how much he seems to have come to trust mm-hmm. her and rely on her. Um, and that apparently they don't know how to search for things because right. they're searching for supplies in a uh, sporting goods store. And then, then Brian, not Brian, says, you go rest in the in the manager's office. All the manager's offices have couches in them. Yes, this is a very, very like, comfy uh, manager oh. office environment for the, for the small. So he says, go rest in the manager's office, lock yourself in, rest for a little while, I'll go look for supplies. He immediately goes to the craft store. Which is not where I would have right. gone. I'm very confused but why he's, he's looking at fabrics. He is he is scoped by the only soldier who didn't off himself at the mall. So I want to know how he saw saw him. Because again, the logistics and the sight lines and And it doesn't the, show. You, the, this does not you, this show does not use the language of film to its advantage the way that no. Fear the Walking Dead or Walking Dead do because it does not give it doesn't give you any show. You see him talking to this girl. It's the it's GameStop GameStop's ex okay, so GameStop's friend who got right, killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's his it's his girlfriend who's just been right. standing in the background of scenes in different tops to whether or not they want to accent her boobs <laughs> for the for like six yeah, episodes. She right. had like four lines in episode four and then she just stood in the background with her tits out. For three episodes, and now she's got lines again all of a sudden. Right, yeah. So, he's talking to her, and all of a sudden his face goes, and she's like, what? And he's like, go sleep. And she's like, okay. And he's like, I'm going to go do things. And he gets up and goes and follows Not Brian into the craft store. But we don't see him see him, because what we the shot we should have seen was medium shot of the two of them talking. Mm-hmm. Long shot. Over private shoulder, down the hall of the mall, seeing not Brian walk from one to the mall, one through a store, through through the background. Here's the problem with that: is that the only way that shot works would be for not Brian to be too far away to recognize right. in the dark. Because when we see not Brian, he has got his back to the door, 
Right. And he's got the flashlight. Now, if, but, if but that were, would have given that would have given the private a reason to be like, there's somebody who's not our group over there. I'm going to go check it out. But we don't know how many people are in this group. There's no way for him to know that. Well, we don't know. I'm sure that the private knows. And well, not only that. You don't think people magically appear and disappear? Don't be crazy, Tim. It's not like we watched I mean, like ten episodes every that episode. actually happened. <laughs> but I mean, no, no, seriously. I mean, he's, for him to have looked over and seen somebody that he needed to go look, talk to, or 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 look for, you figure out who this is. Somebody else. No, nobody else was facing that direction. But see, what? No, I'm. I'm not. You're. You're. You're thinking about you're thinking as a good director. I'm just trying to think of a way to 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 hack together a couple of scenes <laughs> that would have made sense for him to go wandering the away. The problem is is that the, the geography of this mall makes what this makes this scene physically impossible. I know. I know. But it happens anyway and he's like, uh, so who are you? Uh sorry, didn't you know and not Brian's like, Oh, well I'm I got separated from from people out in this terrible mist thing, and I have come to look for fine fabrics of some kind. (laughs) (laughs) And the soldier's like, what an odd thing. Are you alone? I was looking for food, and I found all this silk. Um, so, So then they fight, and the private easily overpowers him. Yeah, he just sits there and chokes him out. And then ties him to a chair, and when he wakes up, he's like, I don't know you, but you know, you know, you don't know me, but I know you, and like, sir, and I, you outrank me, and like, not Brian's like, well, if I outrank you, untie me, and the, the private's like, oh um, no, it's, it's it's not, no, no, hang on, because at the, it's basically the commercial break. He sits there and stands up and salutes and says, "It's good to see you, sir," and I'm like, what, what the hell? Right. And then he comes back and it's like, yeah, yeah. So wait, if if I outrank you, cut me loose, and okay. I know enough about the military uh-huh. to know that if you are given an order that is going to harm yourself or others, you are allowed to deny that order. There's a whole movie about it. There is so much wrong from the military standpoint, from the basic human psychology standpoint, from the, for the love of God, quit telling me we're going to go somewhere else to get the answers. Do you know my real name? Yes, but I can't tell you. you no, know you really can. Yeah. Do you know what's going on? Yes, but I can't tell you. No, you, you really, really can. can. You know. So anyway, yeah, that's basically what Private and not Brian talk about. And it's literally like a scene, a stretch over like 20 minutes of the episode when you bring in the Mia stuff at right. the end. And, and, it's and like, basically, the Private is like, the only way you're going to be able to find out who you are is to come with me, no questions asked. And... Despite the fact you are you are taught from a very small age to not get into the white van with a stranger, that's basically what Brian does here. Right? It's like what the hell? And and, and he and he. So Mia shows up and she's like, "Who's this?" And and the guy's like, "I'm a friend of his." And she's like, "Oh, awesome! Well, you know, now we can." Does she? She hasn't seen Kevin yet. No, she had seen Kevin. Oh. She knows that Kevin. At this point, she knows that Kevin is alive, and that that Adrian's awake. Because because she woke up from her nap and found yeah. Kevin wandering around the mall, and he filled her in. And he said, "I'm going to go find Adrian. You go find Brian." And she they ran opposite directions, and so she finds not Brian. And she's like, you know, uh, we got you know we got to help Kevin find his family, and he's and and here we suddenly have a scene of either or choices. 
that are not binary choices. Right. It is not a yes-no situation. It is not a we can only do this or we can only do this. Right. It is, And she literally sits there and says, you know we can do both of these things, right? Right. And there, and she, he, and not and, Brian and the soldier. I'm like, nope, for reasons. It's, why? What is this? It's like we have to go now. Why? Right. What possible? Well, why is this now? Because. And it's the thing is, is that there's no reason why this soldier can't be like, why? Yes, I do know. Even Alex Copeland. We, they're the people we talk about the most of any other people in this mall. I barely have a name because nobody, everybody keeps talking about even Alex Copeland. In fact, I'm referred to as, you know, my rank more times than you've heard my name in this entire right. show. I don't think they say his name in the entire show. It's, it's so, this, this, well, and because the, then Brian goes with him. Yeah. Not Brian goes with him. And it's like, and, and Mia's like, uh, Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? You just 15 minutes ago promised me you weren't going to leave me. And now he's like, I'm out! Later! <laughs> and so he they leave together. So Mia and Mia and Kevin find each other again. Oh, well, okay. So, and then they, yeah, no, then they storm the... Because, oh, yeah. First, Adrian, first Kevin finds Adrian. And he's he has some issues with Adrian at this point. Right. Starting with the whole, oh, you raped my daughter, then followed by the, oh, you told everyone who cared about me that I was dead, basically you oh, left well, me to well, die. You, know, you raped my daughter, you said it was someone else, mm. you shot me in the full in the face, you told everyone I was dead, and now you're hanging out in the paint supplies of the office, of the Home Depot. The, this is the weirdest mall. I don't even know Like, their anchors is. were a Joanne's Fabric at a Home Depot? See, I'm I'm still stunned. There's no food court here. There's a pharmacy. There's no food court here. I don't know. Well, you know, okay. Every pharmacy anymore. Well, okay. It just depends on how backwards this town is. Mm-hmm. I mean, because a lot of the pharmacies now seem to have are connected to places that have like chips and you know frozen yeah. frozen dinners and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just this place doesn't make any sense. Right. So so he finds Adrian and he says, "Pardon me, sir. I wish to register a complaint." Through the power of my fists. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Adrian tries to save himself, like, I know where they are and, and Kevin's like, Well maybe if you tell me where they are, I will Oh, because because he found Adrian found Eve and Alex and then they were held in they're held in a thing with, with Jay for a little while yeah. and we'll get to that in a minute. Um and he's like, Maybe if you tell me where they are, I won't kill you. And that's when Mia finds them and uh and Adrian uses the power of a Molotov cocktail to escape. Through the power of digital flames. Do, right. Do you... I'm, I'm really torn about the scene here where, where Kevin is beating the living shit out of Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, on, one, on one level, this is a grown man beating um, someone who is, what, 16, 17 mm-hmm. years old? Now... Adrian is a terrible person. Right. Adrian is also um, dealing with some sort of mental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an outsider. Um, he is... He is a broken, broken person. He has done terrible things. I felt exact... And this bothers me because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent. 
I felt nothing mm. watching him being beaten by Kevin. Right. And that bothers me because I should... There's no. There was not a sense of vindication. You know, mm. th- he's the bad guy. Aside from the mist, he's the biggest villain on one of the biggest villains on the show. Mm. So there's no sense of you know, of revenge upon the villain or justice being done. And yet, there's all. I also didn't have any sense of feeling bad for him. I mean, it was right. just like I just seen. Yeah, beating beating that kid up again. Yeah. I just, well, you know, and I feel I just I feel like I should. I should have a reaction here. Right. And I just didn't care. And that kind of bothers at me. At this point, at this point, you're you're in such fatigue, I think. Because Adrian is beat up a lot on this show. That's true. Like, he's beat up four or five different times before we even get to this scene. Uh, and Kevin has beaten a lot of people to death. Has, has murdered a lot of people so far on this show. So, I mean, it's... And I, I agree. I agree with you. It was very like, uh, here we go again. It's Apocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey. All rights reserved.